Welcome to Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we're talking about looking rich versus being rich. But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. This episode is important because it has so many similarities to business. A lot of business owners represent their business's success by talking about total revenue, the amount of staff, potentially even a new office, etc. But in reality, behind the scenes, they're actually making no money and wealth creation is no different. So if you're an Australian business owner who has been questioning the benefit of doing either or you're just getting started out in your wealth creation journey, then this episode is for you. Now, Charlie and I make sure that we provide as many calculators, templates, and checklists for free to anybody, and we put them up on assetblocks.com.au. So if you click there and go to free resources and download whatever is beneficial for you. And if you do enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe or even share it to someone else who's in a similar situation. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Charlie, have you ever heard the quote that goes something like, it's like, wealth is quiet, rich is loud, and poor is flashy? Because I think that that really kind of summarizes a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. So, I am curious, right, when we were talking about what topics to cover, like, why did we pick this topic out of everything we could have talked about to bring into today's episode? I think because it's so evident, this is such a huge and important topic to cover. And I think there's uh, a large amount of people self-sabotaging themselves, potentially unawaringly mm-hmm. around it here. So it's a huge one in that way. And I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share a story here, which is really what I want to lead into, is that uh, when I had a marketing agency, a fairly sizable marketing agency, I will say, many years ago, one of the things that was interesting is I got to work behind the scenes with so many businesses Now, to put it in a category, every one of these businesses was doing more than seven figures that I'm talking about at the moment. And you would think a company that does seven figures would be doing well. Some of these businesses were like multiple sevens, right? But continually, there was a stress and anxiety in the company because the reality was they were either not making very much money, really thin margins, or uh, was, uh, let's say, even losing money. But if you looked at their life, they were coming into the office in a new Audi, new Porsche, right? Expensive clothing and suits. And if they, if I ever saw these people at a party or I went to one of the, like they used to be like networking events, Grant, you remember those things? Um, so <laughs> those, I'd go to- Those face-to-face things. Yeah, yeah, I'd go there and like they would be in the most expensive stuff, buying the most expensive drinks, like making sure that everyone there could see that they were doing well. But I knew it was fake. Yeah. Like I'm like- <sighs> It's fake. Like this person's like signaling that they're doing really well, but the reality is it's going to be really interesting. And I want to put a tag on this one. I want to put a tag. Now, Bianca, um, my wife and partner and and champion of this show, I will say, um, she worked in accounting and financial planning. And I asked her if her experience was similar. Like, and she said it was evident. Like, if you speak to most accountants, 
they will say that this is like you, you cannot believe some of the things business owners are doing. That new car they're driving, it'll be interesting if they can afford to put uh, gas in it without using their credit card or debt to put it in the tank. So I think there's something much bigger on going in the business owner community about looking rich being more important than being rich. And I think that's a huge mistake. What's your view on the topic? Yeah. See, for me, it was like the conversations that I was having with a lot of people now is I do want to be independently wealthy or in this context of this conversation, I do want to be rich. And so, to add to sort of your story, it's not the fact that it's uh, here and now, like I just want to sort of show everybody that I'm rich today. Like a, a lot of these business owners do want to be rich or independently wealthy into the future. And it's more, I, I think that this is extremely valuable because it's more looking at, okay, well, what is the immediate impact of your actions today going to have on this greater wealth journey that you're on, right? Because so, I, I see that as something so critical to this. Yeah. So if you spend a hundred grand on a car today, you really probably shouldn't because that's a hundred grand not going into your wealth creation journey. It's like counter to that. There's like, do you think there's a belief that for a lot of business owners, well, if I look like if I look rich and successful, that that will that will lead to it eventually being true. And I do. And so it's it's almost like the the secret. If I think it, it will come, right? And so it's almost like if I start buying these things and accumulating them, then it will forever be a, a waterfall of the same accumulation as I progress forwards. And it's, yeah, I think that it's kind of embedded in us, right? You see Hollywood, you see all of these different things of successful people. You see the business owners, you see like The Rock, you see all these people who run great businesses and you go, oh, awesome, they're wearing great watches, they're driving great cars. And it's, but it's not the same comparison. It is very different. Their, their status and their, the wealth that they have is fundamentally different to us in our small businesses. All right, so have you ever bought something to signal and have like get to look rich when you probably shouldn't have? So I'm going to make you do this one first. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to do the dirty on me. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I have bought quite a bit and it was, it was name brand stuff. So I, I do have some Gucci stuff and I do have some Louis Vuitton stuff. I won't say what I have, but uh, actually, no, I will. So there, there was, there is one ring that I own that was from Louis Vuitton and it literally has uh, it's a sort of, it's quite a sizable ring and it has LV like stamped into the ring all the way through to the skin. So like it is, like this is a Louis Vuitton ring. <laughs> there is you don't wear that thing for it not to be perceived as oh wow you're wearing a Louis Vuitton ring. Um and I and I have a couple of nice watches, but yeah. I will admit I've been out to dinner with you and I've always gone damn Grant dress as well. Like he really does. <laughs> but sh- don't don't tell everybody. But no, it's, and it's it's interesting though because I got to add to that so I don't sound like such an idiot. <laughs> Was. 20-year-old Grant is fundamentally different to 30-year-old Grant. So, the decisions that I made, like when I was, the, the places I went to, the, the the food that I bought and all those things, which I was probably signaling at the time, which is like, hey, I, I have this wealth. Today, not so much. <laughs> so, it's almost like I've gone through that journey. But I am curious, Charlie. I do perceive you as frugal and probably most a lot of people around you perceive you to an extent as frugal. What have you just lashed out on where Bianca's like, seeing the credit card statement going, what the? Or even if it was before Bianca. Yeah, that, this is a really interesting one. I've, I've probably got a couple I can recognize now in hindsight. And like, I think this is something we, uh, as we mature, and I think the earlier you can come to this awareness of it can make a huge difference. Uh, back to when I was a plumber, right? The whole signaling was like basically what car you had. 
and I had a rundown uh, VT Commodore at the time. I was driving and like a lot of my friends started in the plumbing industry, started to get like nice utes, right? So I was like, I got to do this. So I went out and bought a brand new Nissan Navara. Off, like I'm talking like it was like the demo one they had there. I thought I was getting a deal. Four-wheel drive, you know, all the extras because you know, it was the thing to make me feel a part of that community. Yeah. Now, I could this is the worst, but I even hate saying this. I really couldn't afford that car. Like that was actually putting constraints on my finances in a big way. And I ended up actually having to like work Saturdays and do some extra cashies and things like that because I wanted to do uh, like look successful. And you know the thing I still laugh at? I remember that when I bought it, I had this envisionment of basically like there was going to be some sort of parade, like people were going to be impressed and like, man, did you see that car Charlie bought? Like, wow. And um, I look at that now. throwing themselves at you. Yeah, absolutely, right? It's just like I was just going to do some chap slaps. I'll be driving down, uh, which for people who may not be aware, Chapel Street uh, when I was 20 was the place. And if you had a nice car, that is where you would drive it. in, I think that's Paran. Yeah, it'd be yeah, Paran. South Yarra Paran. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, the point being is like, I somehow believed that if I did that, that was going to be the result. Turns out no one cared at all that Charlie bought a new year at all, but yet I had this financial strain now appear on me. So that that's definitely the first one I could recognize. The second one was early on in business um, when I had the marketing agency, I felt that clients would only work with me if I had an office in the city. Yeah, so it's know. like, and if you can, uh, if I could say that, that that would be the thing that would convince them that I'm like reliable and, you know, well, he must be good. It's like, t- it turns out being good at what you do, probably the most important thing. <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, probably. I will leave that part out of the conversation today, but like that was something I did. So I could go to a meeting and say, well, don't worry, I'll take this back to our, our office in the city. To the boardroom. Yeah. And um Never had a and again, uh, I did that. Never had a client visit me there. Never won any work because of it. But yet, that was the idea I'd built up that looking successful in this way would do it. And again, once again, I was making no money. Like I was losing money because of this. But it definitely would be the two I look at and go. That was clearly me trying to look successful. Now, I, I am curious about this because, and I don't want to sort of go too deep into the the topic of psychology or anything like that. But it's like, why? Because you are not, you and I are not unique. It's not like anyone's listening to this saying, I can't believe Grant's been buying name brand stuff when he was younger and Charlie's gone out and bought a brand new car on debt or on finance. That's not uncommon. Like, if anything, I'm going to argue that that is the normal, right? That is norm. Why? Like, why? <laughs> is this because our parents did it? Is this because, I don't know, TV makes it so good because you got, cheap debt or anything like that? Is it uh, us trying to fit in? I had no idea. Like from you now reflecting back many years later, like what have you assessed it to be? So one of the things I believe as a, as a business owner is that if you want to be good at what you do, part of that is working on yourself. Like I think personal development is one of the things that many business owners lack. Like if you actually develop yourself, you become a better business owner because of it. And that's why I read and do personal development courses and a whole bunch of stuff that have been heavily helpful to me. Now, one of the courses I did, um, which I may reference at another point, was actually on this idea that we are wired a certain way. So we're all wired for like survival. Like, you know, hunger is a survival thing. You're not choosing to be hungry. You get hungry and that causes you to go eat. 
Um, We get tired and we go to sleep. Like that's wiring. These aren't choices we're making. But one of the things that is being brought into us through like evolution is that uh, whoever is like, you know, the most impressive of the pack is the one that the women will want to mate with in our cases, us being male. And not only that is if we're the most successful, the other men will respect us more. So we've got this wiring thing going on brought into the modern way where it's like whoever has the best car or the best house is that we are wired to want those things so that we get the best opportunities with mating so that we are perceived as the alpha of the group and like that is something that is inherent. Now, for some people, they never get awareness of that at all and you see it evidently in their life as they go further and further and further buying things to try and impress others. Um, and that's the game they play. It's like status, a status game. Yeah, and it's because we are animals at the end of the day. Like I don't know, I'm Completely. not going to. I know I said I'm not going to get into the topic deep, but you've you've put the hook out there for me to grab. <laughs> it's. I think it's important. This might wake someone up today. It's like, hang on, like that car I bought. Did I really do it to for me? Like, was it important for me, or did I do it because it's how I wanted other people to feel about me? Like I did when I was twenty. Like I've done these things. I'm not proud of it. I was a bit of fun though, not going to lie. But uh, at the end, when I go through it, it's something where I go, hmm, was that actually counter to my goals? Did I start playing a status game, wanting to look rich and successful at the expense of what is actually important to me? Yeah. And it's, I, I always come back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And like we are animals at the end of the day. The first thing that we go for is like food and shelter. Right, and that is the animal instinct inside of us. And then we obviously start working on top of that until we focus on self-actualization. And so you, I don't think this is going to change. Human beings are animals, the same as lions are animals in the um, in safaris and all these things, right? Like in the desert, like they have this instinct that is bred into them through evolution. Like I just, I think it's more having the awareness that that is the case and going, okay, now I understand this situation what what am I going to do with this? Because there are ways that you can turn that into a, a, your advantage and you can actually look rich for some benefits. And I'm, I'm going to share some sort of interesting stories. But what are, we've kind of talked about our fun things of like looking rich and things like that. But on the other side of saying, okay, well, this topic's looking rich versus being rich. What's like the big difference between what we've just talked about of looking rich and sort of these signaling points versus like actually being rich? For me, I would say like being rich comes down to achieving your wealth goals. And I know we've done a whole episode on this, but if you've set uh, good goals, achieving them should help you actually go, okay, well, I am rich now. And the key difference is if you buy a car, let's say you bought a Porsche and it was actually from the results of all your investments doing well and the cash flow or whatever it is, like that would be a, I'm a rich move. Buying it on debt when you can't afford it and probably shouldn't buy it. Uh, because it's counter to what you're actually trying to achieve, that's a looking rich move. So I kind of look at it in that way. And I'm not against buying expensive stuff. Like I definitely still buy expensive stuff today, but how I go about it is very, very different. So I think linking your wealth goals to things and making sure that you get uh, reward from that and you're focused on that really is kind of the differential here. Yeah, and I I think that's a really good good point because it's not that – it's not like you can you can't have one and not the other, right? It's not like you where well, you can do everything around looking rich and nothing around being rich, or you're 100 into being rich and you can't do anything about 
<laughs> like looking rich, right? But there's people like that out there, right? Like Warren Buffett. Like he still drives. He lives in the same house he's always lived in. He still sh- goes to McDonald's every day. Like he's very much like he's not playing a status game, although he clearly has status, I must say. But it's like those type of people exist. I've met people that look in- and are incredibly frugal, but if you knew their finances behind the scenes, they're like moguls. Yeah. <laughs> Good Harry Potter reference there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll go into this one a little bit deeper because I feel like it is an important point. One, one and I, more from it's helped me so much is when I started um, setting wealth goals and like tracking them, I will say that I started to get the – like I, I would say because I was doing that and then seeing it every month and making progress towards it, like I was feeling motivated to keep doing it. Just like people who go on a weight loss journey, they start losing a little bit of weight and then they go, oh, I get excited and I get more into it. I noticed that when I started doing that properly, suddenly the temptation to buy a car that was counter to that faded. Like I wasn't as, oh, I want to buy the latest car or I want to upgrade there. So I definitely noticed like having that a part of your psychology and the awareness to your wealth goals and making progress towards it makes a huge difference here, really does. Yeah, and with like when I first started setting up my wealth goals, which was the concept of being rich, because for all of us, it's very different, right? Like my wealth goals are different to yours, Charlie, as they would be for most people listening. And if you don't know about how to create wealth goals, go and listen back. I think it's episode three off the top of my head where we talk about it. The the interesting thing for me was that so I the, the biggest thing that I used to spend money on was back into businesses. I would always buy businesses. Like um, one thing that a lot of people probably don't know about me is that the only debt outside of houses that I've ever had was to buy a car. Like I, I'm not a credit card guy. I'm not. I will never buy anything unless I can afford it, right? Or I get a leverage debt for assets, which I am. I know I'm the anomaly in this situation, and I get it, and it's normal. But the thing that I found from a setting a wealth goal perspective was the way that it had set sort of milestones for me. So I, I could start building towards acquiring something, whether at back in sort of more in my youth, that was building towards purchasing a business or starting a business or saying, now I've got an amount to go and invest in that. Or nowadays it's more building deposits to go and acquire property or go and acquire shares, crypto, et cetera. And so it's almost like these bumpers that I had put up in front of my face of saying, okay, well, this is where I'm going to go for uh, where on the other side, when I was acquiring Louis Vuitton and Gucci stuff, that was it was impulse based. It was how do I get instant gratification today? Right, yeah, a huge I, part I, of it. I don't think I ever sat there and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't wait to go and buy this because I'm going to signal to Charlie, and then Charlie's going to be, oh wow, Grant, you've got success. Hey, can I do something with you? Right, there was no, <laughs> there was no game plan on any of this stuff. It was let's walk in and let's buy something. I think that does happen subconsciously for people. Like I think, and I'm sure we're going to discuss this later, but I want to uh, ask a couple of questions on this. When you were investing in businesses and buying in businesses, did you find that that was, again, like a status thing for you? So if you went and with your friends, it's like, cool, I've acquired another company. I've got 400 companies now. And then part two to that, because I think this is important side on, since you've made uh, wealth creation such an important thing, and I know you are buying properties and things like that, I won't uh, disclose your position, has the feeling of being rich shifted there or the feelings towards that shifted your idea around this whole status thing? It definitely has. So to answer your first question, yes. I, I was a big Tim Ferriss kind of four-hour workweek fan and it was this perception of, hey, if we can build a business and get other people to do the work for me and Homer's 
right as rain. And if I have 10 of them, great. They're all just going to sort of potter along. I'm a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) That was my LinkedIn. LinkedIn. That was on my website. It was, what was it? ADHD serial entrepreneur. Like that was what it was. It was ridiculous. (laughs) But And then then, it kind of comes back to why. And so this is probably going back eight years ago or something like that. Now I had this big epiphany of, okay, well, now I'm just spread too thin. What am I actually playing at? Because I can make the same amount of money in one business that I was doing across a myriad of businesses. And I'm like, well, why? Why am I doing this and what am I trying to achieve? And that's when I I had a huge pendulum swing of just going, you know what, let's consolidate this and go for a longer play than just business for business sake. Did that journey hurt you as well? Did you realize you potentially were wrapped, like for myself, and I'm only asking you because this is me, right? It's like I, I was wrapped up in the idea that looking rich and running a business was what I was supposed to do. And it's like I, when I was like, oh, hang on, maybe I'm playing this wrong. I took a, like a hit to the ego and going, oh, man, this is a not enjoyable moment, a hard pill to swallow moment. Yeah. Like how do you go about closing down and selling businesses that you've put all your blood, sweat, and tears into, 100-hour weeks into? Like because you – it's my, it's like – Similar to relationships, you'd stay in it because it's comfortable, right? Ripping that Band-Aid off sucks. So I'll do everything to not rip the Band-Aid off just so that I don't need to deal with it, right? And so that was when I started just to your previous point around like having that self-awareness, I started asking the question of why and that's when I really pivoted down into, okay, well, let's focus in on a business and then after a couple of years, it was let's go and focus in on wealth creation. So I still had that business itch, which – and I've still talked about how many employees I got, the offices that we've got in different uh, – at that time, we had offices in different continents, by the way. <laughs> like, Ooh, that's, a, that's a good one, isn't it? It's like, oh, we've, we've just opened a new office up in uh, New York in case yeah, you were questioning. Was, correct. I have actually seen myself do that and made those comments pretty recently too, so I won't say that I'm perfect. <laughs> We'll come back and talk about the pros of this as well in, in the later part of this conversation. But I, I am enjoying this. This is I actually find it a little bit funny, right? Because you could, if you can't look back on yourself and laugh, um, I think it's a crime. And uh, the other thing is too, I used to love this. One of my uh, mentors used to say, if you can't look back 12 months and think uh, of yourself, that guy was an idiot. You didn't grow, right? You didn't grow. And the aim should be that you're continually growing. So I'm seeing this as a, a growth conversation. Yeah, and it- <laughs> I'm glad that someone's getting enjoyment out of this, Charlie. This is great because I'm, I'm, my heart's bleeding right now. <laughs> this is like all my feelings and emotions are out there. Everything I've suppressed for many years and I've never shared to anyone is here now. <laughs> I remember like tell me you had, like all the networking events you go to when I'm like practicing my pitch in the car oh, and shit. Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, some of the things that have come out of my mouth. Anyway, let's power on. So to answer your second point, which was like, okay, well, after the businesses, like how does it feel now? And and this has been the interesting part because in regards to, and I always refer back to wealth goals because it has been such a big change for me. Like many, many years ago, I was like, okay, where are you pushing towards? And so going from many businesses to like one business to then just saying, great, now I'm just going to focus in on generating my wealth and focusing on what I'm going to be doing. I actually think I've got more drive in business, but the question to actually ask of myself around the decisions I'm making in business and the impact it has on me fundamentally changed for me personally. And what do I mean by that? So all of my decisions that I make in a business are all directly impacting my wealth goals. Why? Because I'm not responding to like immediate self-gratification of going and buying a Louis Vuitton ring or going and buying a new Gucci wallet or doing any of those things. It's like, a, nope, 
I have to hit this goal in order to buy another property. I have to hit this in order to achieve that because this is the bigger plan that I want to hit in 10 years. So if I stop and deviate from the plan, it's done. And the interesting layer that I'm just going to put on top of that is the feeling that I felt because every time I've acquired something that has added to me being rich or sort of creating wealth, this little, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like this stress or this little monkey has gone off my back, right? And imagine I just see on my shoulders a whole heap of monkeys and every time I acquire some more wealth, this little monkey kind of just drops off. Whether that was because I'm like, I've never, ha- I've never had a problem paying bills. I've never had concerns about it. Like I've, I've been very fortunate in my life that I've never waited for the next paycheck. There's always money in the account. But for some reason, I still have monkeys on my back. <laughs> and so every time I have this, it's like, oh, this weight, oh, this other weight, oh, this other weight. And now it's this game of great. Like, how can I continue to do this in order for me just to feel relaxed? And I just go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I had that same thing. I, I'm not even going to lie. It's like, um, uh, there was a time where I was heavily reliant on Facebook ads. Like I was heavily, I was very tilted in that direction. And I don't know if anyone remembers this time, but I certainly do where the, like, uh, the Cambridge Analytica scandal came out in the news, like about you know potentially the election fraud and a whole bunch of stuff. And Facebook ads went really weird after that time. So I don't know, I'm not going to pretend I know what would happen behind the scenes, but from my experience, ads were working really good one day this scandal went out and then all of a sudden all the things that were working for me in business weren't. And it's, and I was like, this could be it. Like I might be done here. And um, that experience put something in me where I, I didn't feel safe relying on that. And I've since diversified my business. So I am not relying on that. I've got tons of options around that. Even if Facebook disappeared, I'll be fine. But the thing that I realized is this applies to business as well. Definitely. And it was uh, every time I moved closer to having uh, wealth in this context is that, to use your quote, that monkey type thing um, has faded. And I must admit, like I did hit a, a very reasonable goal of mine uh, mid to late last year. And upon doing that, it's like I it can, the monkey in a big way has disappeared and I actually see like business as more fun, more, more enjoyable. So it's a huge thing. And I think a lot of people are invisibly stressed. Like, do you know how many people are pretending they're fine and like their business is fine, but I'm sure if you uh, took their pulse or measured their adrenal glands, you'd be like, you, you prob- you're probably not fine. <laughs> it's, it's like that meme of the dog, the cartoon dog that's sitting at a table with a coffee yeah. cup and it's like, this is fine. And the whole house is on fire. <laughs> Try to pretend like nothing's going on. Now, it's in- we, we have almost indicated to our personal lives, which obviously we care about wealth creation and like – I would say I care a lot about like delayed gratification. So I'll do some things that I'm really happy with today and because I want to go and create my wealth so that the rest of my life I don't have to, I just have options, right? I don't have to work unless I want to work. I don't have to do these things unless I want to do them. But is it that just is one option just like clearly better than the other option or is there a point in time when like bounce backwards and forwards? Like surely there's a time and a point where looking rich versus being rich at a like that has its advantages and obviously pros and cons to both. Like, is there anything that you have deployed or seen deployed, which is like, great, like this is where or when you could use it. All right. So I've got to tell some funny stories here. Um, so the, the big thing I would love to get across in this episode is as a business owner, you need to play both games. The big mistake is to uh, go all in on status and looking rich at the expense of uh, being rich one day. 
And people do it. They absolutely do it. So I think you've got to bring an awareness to this. But on the other side of things, if you're so frugal and intentionally keeping your costs low that you look homeless and when you're going in and working with other business owners, they go, this is starting off with this guy. It's like um, you don't fit in because of how frugal you are then there is a very real danger that you can do damage to your business. And as much as we have uh, ragged a little bit on uh, some of the dumb things we've done, I will admit in my own circumstances that uh, when I lived in Brighton, Victoria, which is what I would call probably one of the more affluent suburbs of Victoria, it definitely had an effect on people when they knew I lived there. It definitely opened up business opportunities. It definitely enabled me to network with people that I wouldn't have been able to get access to if I lived in another place. So the other side of this conversation and a really powerful one is that playing the status game and signaling that you fit in in a community can actually have dramatic advantages, like dramatic advantages. I'll go on the record now and say that living in Brighton was profitable for me purely on the idea of the opportunities it uh, opened up for my business. I get added a couple of hundred grand to the business just by being there. So I think that that is probably the other side of the conversation. And and maybe you've got different experiences, Grant. Like, is this the same for you? Have you seen things? Where do you sit on the topic? Yeah. So (laughs) I used to try and justify a lot of my purchases of like Gucci and Louis Vuitton and stuff like that on the basis of uh, people will see me and see these things and go, oh, you're successful. Right, and so they would want to do things with me. So I tried to justify to your point. I tried to justify buying these things and looking rich, as I thought there would have been an outcome on the other side. <laughs> now, how do you quantify that? I couldn't. Right, like sure, people spoke to me about business opportunities and things like that, but in my mind, that was like the logical way that I validated it. Where it's Ex- not excuse me, I just need to take a sip from my Lululemon <laughs> drink bottle right now. <laughs> Sorry. Just I'll, I'll wait a second. <laughs> Sorry, there's a, a call coming in on my new iPhone, Grant. Um, and anyone who's watching the video will know I'm actually holding up those items. But continue on. I'm not signaling at all. And whilst, whilst I'm talking to you on my new Apple computer with my oh, new good, Good what, to know. Apple good to know. Watch. Continue Just on. needed to tell you these things. <laughs> but but that, was, that was the thing. So, like, to your point of, like, it's not – uh, like I think people just need to be cautious about how they validate the looking rich concept because you can convince yourself that everything that you're doing is the right thing. And I'm gonna uh, reason I'm saying that is because I'm about to share a story of a friend of mine that directly helped him in business because of something he has bought. But it's not to say that hey, you can justify buying a boatload of things on debt like cars and watches and phones and Lululemon and all these kind of things. So it's like a really big caveat. However, if you deliberately play this, you win. And so I'm going to talk about two people. So firstly, uh, and our previous business partner of mine, and I think he listens to this, so awesome, welcome. Uh, when he was growing up, he bought a convertible Audi. And so he used to always talk to people about business and all his friends always talk about business. And then he went out and bought this almost new convertible Audi. And he rocked up to a party, parked out the front, and his friends were like, whoa, what have you been doing to be able to afford this? Now, at that time, his friends had started a business, right? There was a, just a small services business and they were trying to scale it up. And they went to him and they said, hey, you always talk about business. You're driving a nice car. Can we get your insights on how we could do this better? And so that actually opened this opportunity. Now, that was not a deliberate play. He was just a 18, 20-year-old buying a convertible Audi on debt. But he's like, but it actually ended up paying for the car. 
And so he's like, so inadvertently by me signaling or by him signaling this, this has helped me grow. And I've heard another gentleman who went and bought an Aston Martin, which is a very expensive car for those listening, who then just joined Aston Martin and performance car clubs. And everyone he brushed shoulders with, all business owners who are independently wealthy. And he's like, now I'm in a club that I could never have got in unless I had this car. Now, he didn't buy that on debt. I will say this, right? So he was in a group of other people that he obviously would have been around. But imagine understanding that and going, you know what? If I buy an Aston Martin, I can get into this club. And if this club could help me in business or I could sell to them or something like that, now I'm actually playing a very deliberate game, right? And so there are points of what I'm saying here is that don't just acquire things for the sake of acquiring things and try and justify them. to go, I, uh, I think at some point, if you are going to make those deliberate plays around sort of looking rich in order to sort of grow, like in your example in Brighton or in the ex- other example of buying a performance car to be in a group of other successful people, make it so deliberate that you know the outcome you're going for so you can validate if it works or if it didn't work. You hear things like this as well about people joining like particular golf clubs for access to a network and they can be quite expensive, but I'll bet if done intentionally and you're a good networker and going to put the uh, reps in, you can uh, very likely do well out of that as well. So, I mean, I'll ask it directly. Do you think there's room for people to play this game more intentionally? Is it that most people are playing it vaguely? They're just buying things in the idea that maybe someone will notice on social media where your example of like the car club or the golf club, Mine was accidental. I'm not going to say living in Brighton was uh, that. Uh, that was definitely some status game I was playing. But it's lovely there if you, in case you were asking. <laughs> as, as I've been looking at places in Brighton. Yeah. Brighton. <laughs> and then, yeah, and so to answer your question directly, I think that 95% of people buy on impulse or on status or trying to fit in, keep up with the Joneses, whatever other term you want, and then they justify their purchase by some – thing that's happened whether or not it was directly attributed to the purchases that they had made and i'm gonna i'm gonna that is my opinion i reckon it would be 95 percent. where the five percent maybe ten percent of people who are deliberately playing this game and you and i know a a gentleman who's buying watches to go and signal out when it's a business event he's like i can wear a t-shirt and i can signal to all these people that i have money by having a very expensive like when i say very expensive like forty thousand dollar watch on my hand because those who know are in the same industry or in the same sort of realm of business success, we'll look at that and go, yes, I get you. Let's talk, right? But that's completely different. I think that's 5 to 10% of people. I, I would agree. I would agree. And actually, sorry, I wasn't really listening. I was just looking how much uh, Porsche is. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what, though? One of the most interesting things on signaling that I'll just bring up, like I think people would listen to this and say, oh, maybe I should go buy the car then or the house or whatever it is. And like there's... I, I see the merits and if you can, if it's intentional, maybe it's worth it. But do you know what's been one of the best signals for me for business? <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Go, go. I will say one of the best signals that I've had come across is when people that are respected in a community rave about what you do. Oh, like it, if okay. you work with a bigger brand, uh, which I won't name drop right now, but I'd love to, um, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this guy, this guy's killing it. It's like that does wonders for the status game. It does yep. wonders. Um, so I would actually say that this can be done without spending money and being great at what you do also. Um, but it, uh, maybe the synchronicities of it could be even better. They really could. Well, it depends what you're trying to do, 
right? But I would I would agree with you that I think that there'd be a very, 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 very small fraction of opportunities that you will unlock through uh, acquiring things and signaling to other people versus the doors you would open by everybody saying, hey, if you've got this problem, go and talk to Charlie. Hey, if you got this problem, go and talk to Charlie. Hey, everyone, got this problem, talk to Charlie. Like the, <laughs> the doors that's going to open and the success that's going to bring you, yeah, definitely far outweighs it, 100%. And I know that I, I dove down into sort of the looking rich realm to use some examples, but on the inverse, that being rich creates this aura where like you and I, we, we know a gentleman is quite a close friend of mine, worth nine figures, wears $10 T-shirts, his cars are Ford, like he's got a brand new Ford. Yes, he has a lot of other cars, but he just doesn't really drive them that often. And he's got a boatload of properties worth a lot of money. But if you saw him down the street, he just looks like a normal guy. Like, and even to the extent, like probably even a little bit lower than a normal guy. And it's just this point of going, well, now he is on the upper spectrum where he has got wealth beyond what most people would dream of. However, now he's gone, okay, well, what, what is important to me? How do I continue to accumulate wealth, which is what he tries to focus on, where everything else around signaling is just this, who cares? What do I need it for? And so I, I do think that focusing on wealth, from my opinion, is the, the 10 times better approach than trying to spend your time and effort on going, which watch is going to make Charlie say, let's do business together. I think a better way is how do I grow my business so I could go and acquire assets? <laughs> I will resonate with that, though. I, the more... The wealthier I become, the less I seem to care about what people think. And it definitely has made me more confident in the things I do. Definitely. Undoubtedly. When I was less wealthy and less successful in business, I was very insecure and cared a lot more of the opinions of others. Do you think there's a perfect balance? So, because I'm going to, I'm going to preface this because I'm going to guide, I'm going to guide you on, on a point here. So, I don't think this is a light switch. This is not on and off. This is not, can you be rich? Do you be rich or do you look rich? This is a, a dimmer or like a percentage game. Like I don't think it's just a one or the other. I think you can do both at the same time. And so if you agree with that, what do you see as like the perfect ratio? Like do I just not play looking rich until I've hit my wealth goal? Do I? Can I be sort of doing a little bit of this thing and, and kind of going for rich more like where do you sit on this and what do you think is the perfect ratio? I love that question. I think that's such a good question. Uh, only in the power of hindsight, I will say, does this allow me to say this, like in an ideal world, I realised that if you lived your 20s and done the status thing, can't undo that. Um, it's fun. There are some yeah, fun elements, but anyway. I wouldn't undo it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't undo it either. But the, the thing I look at here is that is if it's uh, apparent that your goals are status, like you're allowed to have status goals. You don't have to build any wealth. If you want to just play the look important game, go for it. But I think do it intentfully. I'm not against that. I think just be intentional in what you're doing. Um, but if your goal, again, is like if in the siding of being wealthy, then I think what needs to be done is finding the balance that allows you to play in both worlds. The only wrong answer and the thing I would be really against for people is the ones where they're playing the status game thinking that leads to wealth and they're only going to work on their wealth after they've got a certain amount of status or after they look a certain amount of wealthy in the public eye. So, for example, if you buy a $3 million house, which is doable in Melbourne and Sydney very easily, you drive any car over 50 grand, right? So, you're driving something like, oh, maybe 100 grand would be more 
you know, some sort of nice Audi or a Porsche or something like that, and you don't have anything else to your name, you have to acknowledge you're playing a status game. You're not playing a wealth game. On the other side of things, if you look like if you had to rock up with a meeting and you brought a desktop computer from 1990 because you're unwilling to buy a new laptop, right? You're probably on the other scale of things, just absolutely signaling that you're you're not someone people would want to do business for. That's the other end of the spectrum. So I think finding the balance where you can be intentionally achieving your wealth goals in the time frame that's important to you and getting the benefits of some signaling and looking rich is the point everyone should be aiming for. Yeah, and I, I actually think there's a point that I just want to pull on for a second because you're right, like there is an inverse impact to both. Definitely. Right? Like obviously if you're putting a whole heap of things on debt that you can't really afford, like that's an obvious one that most people listening to this about. Yeah, I get it. Like my- I, my business has to make me enough money to pay for the debt to justify you, the You're going to make house. terrible decisions. Like if you're stressed about I've got to make payroll, I've got to pay for this house, like how could you ever play a long game in business and make great strategic decisions if you're stressed about I've got to get money in this week, got to pay a bill this week? Like that's not a healthy way to do things. 100%. Agreed. And to that point, I, I think there is like the inverse to that, which is like, I've walked into business meetings with guys who – and I don't mean to sound shallow or anything like that. The suits that they've walked in with and the computers that they've opened up and started typing on does make them look as though they've gone to an op shop. And just naturally, as human beings, again, we're coming back to that animal point, I look at that and I ask, why? Right? Why are they not wearing something that's not name brand, but that's something representable? Why are they, if they're using their computer all day, every day to make money, why are they using the slowest thing? And it's not because I think everyone should use an Apple product. I just It's more like that is doing things to inhibit their success. Why are they making that decision? And the only logical answer that I would naturally go towards, unless I dove deeper, would be, okay, they're just not successful, right? Which then makes me second question, do I want to do business with them? Because I'm like, well, if this guy's saying he's the greatest X, like greatest, I don't know, computer whiz and he's like i'm the greatest computer whiz and he walks in with an old computer and an old suit and he's like hey give me some money so i can be your perfect computer whiz and i'm like how many other people have been a good computer whiz for versus somebody walks in looks clean got like the latest computer and he's like great like walk me through this like it's it's it is a very different thing so i think there's you can go too deep each way First impressions count. And second, like it's um, a hugely big thing. I I would say the only thing I would think of like to try and understand this person is like, let's say someone's gone through a bankruptcy in the family or a really bad divorce and they've, or something in their history that has led them to be scared of money. They might hoard it and be like fearful of spending. And like, I've definitely met those people as well as I'm sure you have. Yeah. But the first impression is where I'm going to because you're right. Like there's so many things that could be sitting under the surface. But if I'm looking at this person as a service provider or to help me in my business or to work for me or to do all of these things, like that that conversation is not going to come up <laughs> because it's not like I'm going to be like, hey, Charlie, I want to use you for some paid ads. By the way, I saw your laptop sold. Any reason? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not going to ask that question, which is why like I think that there is like that inverse impact just to be aware of not to obviously say hey if you've gone through the situations you've shared which people do go through by the way don't try and do all of these things I think just be aware that other people do interpret it and I'm going to go away from looking rich to being rich 
there is a point, and Charlie, you always pick on me about this of, hey, uh, Charlie, maybe I should cancel my Netflix subscription and stop drinking <laughs> takeaway lattes. Because hey, I'm uh, be- as you go through this, I want to know <laughs> the most tight-ass thing you do. Right? Like I want to know something you intentionally don't spend money on as well. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so on the other side is that you can actually impact like when you're trying to be rich uh, and you have this great calculation, which I'm not going to steal from you. I'm going to let you talk about it. Like, yes, saving money to a point is valuable. But if you are doing, I don't know, everything yourself, if you're trying to paint your own wall to, because there was a hole in it, if you're trying to do all of these things, right, just so you can sort of squirrel away all this money, that's not going to work either because instead of painting the wall or I'll use some other examples that people might relate to, like maybe cleaning the house or doing the gardening or doing all these things, could have actually focused on creating more wealth like the, there is this opportunity cost to everything that you do in it both looking rich but also being rich but before i talk about the most frugal thing that i do uh do you just want to walk people through that that formula around sort of like an increasing revenue versus sort of cost because i i found this fascinating when i first heard it yeah, so let's say, and I uh, I won't claim I came up with this, but I, I will say that it's been heavily helpful for me. Let's say you've got a business that operates on a 25% margin, right? So a very, very reasonable margin uh, for a lot of businesses anyway. And you grow your company, right, by 100%. Double the company, yeah, right? So you've doubled the revenue you've taken in. But at the same time, if you looked at, well, if your company's operating on 25%, you only get to keep 25% of that, mm. right? You don't get to keep the full 100% uh, unless there's some other margin at play. So your margining company would change that. So again, if you've got a million dollar company and you grow it to $2 million and the margin stays the same, right? you've gone from making 250 grand of profit to 500 grand of profit, but now you've got a $2 million company. If you were to cut any expenses from a business, whenever you are reducing expenses, 100% of that it goes to profit. So if you were to cut your expenses by 10%, you get to keep the full 100 grand in the million dollar example. So one of the ratios I found really interesting is that in the game of wealth creation, if you're only focused as growing your business as a way to contribute, you can end up with a very bloated, inefficient company. And I'm sure you as I have heard of people where they go to grow their business and double it, margins actually get thinner because yep. of the overheads. So if your margin is shrinking as you grow, right, you're actually even getting less of that. So something I very much look into now and something I'm very aware of is the idea of like, what's the efficient level of this business? Where is my margin maximized? Because if I need to upgrade my office and spend a whole heap of money on this to facilitate that growth, which growth is expensive, is this really in line with what I'm trying to achieve here? Are there other ways to do it? And I love it because being rich you invest that money that you've taken out of the business, right? Now, looking rich, you actually use that money that's already come out of the business, right? So, if you if you continue playing that through your head, which is I've earned money through my business, and in your example, imagine I've earned a million dollars and then I've taken home a quarter, so $250,000, and I have $250,000 now to do two things, either sort of invest in my wealth or sort of acquire things, Right, obviously you can save it and stuff, but uh, we'll get into that point later. If you start acquiring things with that or paying down debt that you've acquired things on, 
you are now taking off that really large component that you've worked so hard in your business to retain. And so when I thought about the second order consequence of that, yes, Charlie, I did stop buying takeaway lattes. Interesting. I I just want to use a really good example. Million dollar company, you grow up by 10%, right? On my 25% margin, you take home $25,000 more. If you cut your expenses 10%, you take home $100,000 more. Yeah. So let that sink in, right? Same amount, grow your company 10% versus cut the 10% of costing could be a huge, huge difference. And I realize there's margin in that and it's all different there, but I just want to really highlight it could be a very, very powerful strategy. Yeah, it's all about that awareness. That's that's all it is. It's just when you're making those decisions, just being aware and just going, yes, I understand this impact. Now, I did promise to you, Charlie, I was going to talk about my most frugal thing. (laughs) So my my wife, Hazel, she does listen to this and she is a big advocate for the Asset Blocks brand and she will never never let me live this down. So I thoroughly thoroughly dislike using like the taxis and Ubers of the world because I think that walking places has so much better of an impact and benefit to myself. I'm like walking makes me healthy. It gives me time to think and it does all these things. However, there have been more than one occasion in my life where I have been out for dinner with my lovely wife and we've gone to the second venue or going to the second venue. I'm like, ah, it's only a kilometer. Let's walk as she's in stiletto heels. <laughs> And, and then the next day, she's not able to walk anywhere. And she's like, that would have been a $15 Uber ride. And I'm like, don't judge the man. <laughs> so that to this day, and I still, for some reason, for some reason, I'm still so frugal when it comes to that. Like I've, I've been in business meetings where people jump in a taxi to go from one side of Melbourne to the other side of Melbourne. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to just like walk that. <laughs> like the, the that's most a, frugal That's amazing. All right. What, what's the most... Uh, status thing you do or the thing you spend money on that is counter to like wealth creation. So what's the thing you like splurge on a little bit? So there's so there's always this joke and you and I have a similar joke. There's a joke in, in this house that Hayes always talks about. There's three things that I have an unlimited budget for, which is like one is technology primarily around like Apple products. <laughs> so every time Apple comes out with a new thing, I'll just buy it. It's, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, second one is my closet it is now all Lululemon. And the third one is all of my luggage is a brand called Toomey. I, I don't know why I have like a luggage fetish, etc. cetera. Um, I do have nice watches, but I'm not sort of brand dependent. But those are like the three like really sort of things that I'm just like, no matter what Toomey comes out with, I'll buy something. No matter what Lululemon comes out, I'll buy something. No matter what Apple does, I'll buy something. <laughs> How interesting. I like what, it. Do, do you know what? You always have quite nice luggage. I always look at those bags and think, wow, they look really good. It's, it's it's a curse. What about you? All right. So um, I will say probably the most frugal thing I do is I actually like instant coffee. So <laughs> I refuse to buy uh, coffee. Like I don't buy coffee very, very rarely. Now, I will say that I've also had a ton of crappy experiences with paid coffee that I just feel so dirty when I spend $5 on a coffee. And um, it's just like warm milk or burnt coffee. It took, me five, like, it took me five minutes to convince you. When we were at a cafe. And I'm like, Charlie, I'm getting a coffee. Do you want a coffee? No. Do you want a coffee? No. I would prefer my instant coffee. Charlie, do you want a coffee? No. And I'm like, that's it. I'm getting you a coffee. And you reluctantly drank it. <laughs> it was actually pretty good, that one. <laughs> uh, so that, that is uh, definitely uh, the probably one of the most frugal things I, I do, definitely. 
And what about the purchases? I'm curious now. Oh, so there's there's a few in this household. Um, wh- one of the things I've done is I've and I didn't realize this was an area, but the thing I probably splurge the most on is that we get uh, it would be food would be definitely a huge one. We spend a lot in this household on food, and I only realized this at a big level when I was comparing my food budget to uh, there was a post in a Facebook group about what you spend per month on food. And I was looking through these ones. I'm like, oh, we're fine. We're fine. And then there were families of like six and seven for that budget. I was like, there's two of us and a baby. Like I think we spend a lot on food. So uh, I definitely uh, splurge in that area. And we even do – we get meals delivered so we can save the time on cooking um, so we can do other things and be with our son. That's a huge one. Second one for me, and this is uh, something that only come to me recently, is like I've realized I have a new vulnerability and it's nearly two and a half years old. What is it? Jack. <gasps> yep. So it's like I feel that like <laughs> for whatever reason, if he wants something, I just feel this impulse, whatever it costs. It doesn't matter. Which one do you want? Ah, great. You went the expensive one. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. I bought the Bluey Grant branded garbage truck. Over the generic brand one, even though it was twice as expensive, because it was like, well, that's what Jack wants. He gets that. That's so uh, I've ones. noticed these new ones popping up. But as for status ones, though, just to be more there, they're just ones I've noticed from like spending behavior is like uh, are there. If I was going to go into status ones, though, I, I will say that I spend quite a lot of money on technology as well. Um, also, recently bought a new Volkswagen car. We could have spent way less, but I will say I'm enjoying that purchase a lot and don't mind the bit of the flex there occasionally. Um, that would be my main ones. Is it? And I think that that's the summary here, right? Is that? And because I'm going to ask you another question to add on to the top of that, is that? It, I'm going to come back to the light switch. It's not an on or off. It's not that you can't have takeaway lattes and. Uh, we, Charlie, you and I joke always daily about this concept of like there was a tweet that I sent you of a guy that's like, great, now I've cancelled my Netflix subscription. How do I buy a house? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's, just, it's great. And so it's not by sort of removing these things in life. And you can go like if you just like takeaway coffees or if you just like Louis Vuitton or if you just like Apple product, it doesn't matter. I think the key it comes down to is kind of budgeting around it, understanding what wealth goal you're going to go for, what timeline you're trying to achieve it, and just being aware of your habits, which is why we always talk about uh, tracking your sort of wealth. So tracking what you're buying, tracking what you're trying to achieve. Uh, we've done an episode on that. We've done an episode on wealth goals, etc. So I am curious, Charlie, in your because you, I know Bianca is obviously an accountant and is very good at what she does, and you're very analytical across what you've got. So is there a budget each month that you say, you know what, doesn't matter. Spend whatever you want. It's unlimited well, This well, within this budget. Doesn't matter. No one's ever going to question you. Or is it more, you know what, at these points of time of the year, I'll splurge out. Is, is it like quite calculated or do you just do it very organic of, hey, I just want a car today. I'm going to go get a car or, hey, I'm just going to buy this. Or is it, I just want to understand that. And is there like a ratio between this is, what I'm going to spend towards like being rich versus like looking rich versus just sort of acquire as opposed to just like living expenses? It's such a good question. Um, I will say the big thing I want people to take away from this episode is that if you start setting wealth goals and tracking them and put intention behind what you're doing, and I dare say you will if you listen to this show, 
Um, it will change your whole perspective on a lot of things. I yeah. really, really hope that people take that away from this episode. Second to that, though, uh, one of the things I do that's probably pretty unique is we run our house like it's a business. So I we do a P&L every month. We have a budget. We have a balance sheet, which obviously comes into our wealth stuff. Like we very intentionally every month go through that level of reporting in our lives. We very, very intentionally do it, which has been a game changer for us with this awareness thing. Now, as for budgeting, we definitely used to be more frugal when we were, I suppose, not making as much money um, because we had to be, because we knew what we were trying to work towards here. These days, it's definitely loosened up a bit because we have achieved some of our bigger goals and we are in a position where we can uh, spend more. So literally not long ago now, we're recording in February, but in January, we spend some time together and we discuss what we want our budget to be for the year, whether it's, do we need to include a car in here or holidays? or those types of expenses. And we very much monitor that. And I know every month how much we're putting into our wealth creation. So we very, I don't want to say meticulously, it's not like it's a there's buffers in this budget. Like if we want to go spend $1,000 on something, it's probably not a big deal for us at this point in our journey. But if I wanted to go, I don't know, buy a Porsche, that would probably be a bigger conversation in our house. Um, so that's how we manage it and go through it. I know this is something we're probably going to do a whole episode on at some point as well to go how we do that and how we think about it. But that has been my intent around it. Yeah, and I, I firstly, I appreciate you sharing that. For uh, It's interesting for Hazel and I, we always talk about, well, what are we fine with just spending? <laughs> Where it's just like you don't look at it and we don't. it doesn't matter. Like I would never even know what Hazel spends on it and et cetera, et cetera. And this is where I acquire probably not work stuff, like a lot of Apple products that I do and, and buy mostly for work. Uh, so I'm talking about the Lululemons, the brand name stuff and all these kind of things. And I did a quick calculation before I jumped on here. It sits under about 5% of what we bring in. It's probably even closer to about 3%, which is just, it's literally this account of we're never going to question each other. And so Hazel gets percent, I get a percent and it's, mine seems to always keep going up and Hazel's keeps going up. Like, we turns out that we actually don't actually buy as much as we once did when we first allocated. It was like gone. It's like, oh, man, where's the rest? Um, and it was so it was interesting that when I calculated that because I made it as a number, not a percentage, because I didn't want to recalculate these percentages as my income went up. I'm like, what am I going to buy different? So we actually had just a, a dollar figure, which actually to most people probably won't sound that big. And just said, that's it. Like, we're never going to question each other. Like, if you buy this thing, I'm just like, why did you buy that thing? Like, I'm just not going to question it because it's from that amount. Um, and, yeah, so it, sats, it sits around 3% is what we do for looking wealthy, like outside of obviously business stuff. And I, I just thought that was a, a quite interesting figure to share with people where if you're looking at spending 30% of your income on acquiring cars or acquiring Louis Vuitton bags or acquiring watches or things like that, like this, just that's a barometer for you if you're using me as an example. I will mention here, I'm actually planning on buying a car. Like there is a extravagant car I will buy at some point. I'm just deciding on when. Like yeah. I really am. So um, I'm considering it. By the way, I'm I, I'm seem to be a bit in love with Porsches at the moment. I don't know why or where it's coming from, but it's a itch I want to scratch. <laughs> Marketing is hitting you hard. One of, oh, one of the last questions that I just want to understand or talk to you about, because we talk to quite a lot of people around sort of wealth creation who is in our network just inadvertently now that this podcast's out, people go, what are you doing? How are you going about it? Hey, this is my situation, et cetera. The thing that has really sort of made me aware of this topic more 
is talking to them where they might have bought like an Audi or they might have bought a new car or they might have bought a whatever, right? It doesn't matter. And they might have put it on debt. And even when we would look at that, we go, that's you trying to signal. That's looking rich. But to them, they don't even realize that. That's or They almost look at that and go, what do you mean? That's normal. Like that is what normal people do. Charlie, Grant, you are not normal, right? You are the weird ones in this. I hope so, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I love being not normal. Like, is there, is there any kind of barometer from what you've sort of talked to these people? Because obviously when we talk to them and share like our points and what we do, they go, ah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have bought that brand new car on debt because you're right, I'm going to be paying this thing off and all these kind of things. Is there anyone listening at home where they're questioning, they're like, I don't know if I'm looking – rich and i don't know if i'm sort of putting enough into acquiring assets is there any barometer or anything that you would share of going hey if if it kind of looks like this just you might be trying to look rich versus sort of being rich i think once you go on the game of wealth creation and you start doing it is like it's much like starting in business again like it's a new world you suddenly enter and the rules the way you do things how you win at it how you lose at it becomes all different. And for myself, I look back to when I started in business and I go, uh, I probably didn't need business cards. <laughs> you know, like but office. I spent I spent money on that or the office and things like that. So inevitably as you become aware of these things, it's very likely you will question some of the decisions and moves you will make, just like we have. Um, I think it can be a, a hard adjustment for people if they're used to pl- living a certain way, thinking it's there. There's a, an adjustment phase of going, hmm, would I buy that car again? Should I buy that car again? So I, I very much uh, went through that myself. I very much uh, resonate with that. So once you get that awareness piece in, then I think it's a, up to you to assess. Go through that episode we made on wealth goals, set some goals to yourself and start moving towards it. And just like in business or with weight loss or anything that you track well and have a goal towards, as you start getting progress in that area, you'll start becoming more excited by it and you'll find that naturally you'll want to do more of the things that lead to that. Definitely. And it's it's actually interesting because it becomes more of a game. It's like the addiction. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having fun. Like I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I, was, I always said to Hazel, I'm like, damn, I wish there were some other things that I was more addicted to. <laughs> like all I seem to do is talk about like buying assets, creating wealth. I'm just like, surely I should just have more addictions elsewhere. All right, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. It's a, um, when it nears the end of the month, I am almost like I want the month to tick over just so I can get the reports. I'm just like, what? come on. First of all, let's see how we did. Come on. Give me weekly reports from now on. Give me weekly reports. I need that injection. <laughs> it's actually, to sort of wrap up, it's been such an interesting episode around sort of the concept of like looking rich versus being rich and the the key points that i've really taken away is like it's very dependent upon yourself and but the thing that i would anchor off is the wealth goal right if you are looking at this just going i feel like i'm aiming to be rich not looking rich it's probably not a good enough anchor like if you really set out well what wealth goal am i going for and you go great i'm i'm within those bounds awesome Good on you. Great. You're going to get there. But that, if you don't have that anchor, I think you're just going to be going off an opinion. One of the second points that I will say is that you got to make sure that you don't kill your own lifestyle. You still need to enjoy the years, right? There's, there's no point having a family of five living in one bedroom, right, to try and save more money to go and buy more, uh, sort of acquire more assets, right? You still need to enjoy the journey whilst you're on the journey because wealth creation is not a one or two year 
stint. It's a long game. It is a very long game. And so even though we sort of talk through this and say, great, well, Charlie and I, we've got assets and we've created our own wealth, that has taken years. And so for yourself, when you're listening to this, it's it's not an on-off switch. There are percentages and whatever your percentage is, if it's 3% like mine, 20%, 30%, and you're comfortable with it and it aligns, Godspeed to you. Um, but the third one, which is always a big one for me, Charlie, and every time you mention it, it always blows me away, is that calculation around the saving of expenses is pure profit versus trying to increase more. You're always going to cut out those expenses. And if you just rewind back to that point, I think it's it's so valuable because it's one of those things of understanding, well, if there are bigger expenses that you have and you cut them out, then you actually might move the needle more than trying to earn more money in your business then filters through a lot of expenses, et cetera, before it comes back to you. So, and it's not, don't get takeaway coffees and cancel your Netflix subscriptions. It's more the bigger things like, hey, do in a car, do I really need the brand new one? Can I get a secondhand one? Do I need a Porsche or could I just get away with, I don't know, a Mazda, right? Like is, where does that sit for you? And everyone's completely different on this. So if you do like this episode and a lot of the points that we cover off and you're going, oh, I'm looking for the wealth goal tracker or even how do I track my net wealth, head over to assetblocks.com.au, click on the free resources and download whatever you were looking to get because Charlie and I just try and give away a lot of these points for free. And if you did enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe or even share it with someone else who you know might be going through the same situations that we've spoken about today. So thanks again for joining us and we look forward to catching you next time on Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.